Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. From Luminary, this is Karamo, a podcast. Hey friends, welcome to Karamo. I am your host, Karamo. And on this episode, we are talking about compromise. It's something we've all had to do at some point in our lives, sometimes happily and sometimes begrudgingly. I know personally, one of the hardest decisions I had to make when I was younger was knowing when to compromise or give an apology, just so that everything can move on and be happy. I mean, this decision came up a lot, particularly when it came to family issues and who is right or who is wrong. And that feeling of what do I have to do to make it all right? So my question is, Should you apologize for something you didn't do just to mend family ties? We all have different feelings on this topic, and today I'm going to be talking to someone by the name of Adam, who contacted me on social media, who is grappling with this decision right now. Also, I'll be talking to the very funny and talented drag queen extraordinaire, Monet Exchange from RuPaul's Drag Race, who's going to share their feelings on apologizing to make amends. But also, Monet is going to get candid about race and the LGBT community. And is there forgiveness there? And we will be hearing from some of you who called in to share your feelings on this topic, because everyone's feelings on my show is always welcome. So without further ado, let's start talking and growing, friends. Hey, friends! Hey, Adam, thank you so much for joining me and speaking with me today. I kind of want to just first talk about where you are in your life. Throughout your life right now, from school and from everything else, are you at a, in a place of peace right now in your life? Definitely say I'm at peace. Yeah. And just feel really settled and, like, at peace. That's good. Did you always believe that at this age you would find this peace? Not at all. Yeah. What was your thoughts <laughs> when know. you were younger? I had a lot of trouble, I guess, accepting who I was. Mm-hmm. And for a long time I thought I would just be like, a single bachelor doing my own thing for a long time. Yeah. And then bought a house here and going to marry somebody from here and <laughs> kind of planted myself in really early on. When do those thoughts and feelings that you would not be able to be at peace with who you are and that you wouldn't get the light that you have now start? Yeah. I always kind of just felt that way. Like, I don't know, that something was off or different, but not really being able to pin down why. Yeah. Trying to date girls and like not feeling right and just like moving on, like, okay, maybe that's not for me. Mm-hmm. And when you were in that, you didn't have that peace. No. Yeah. What were you experiencing then? Not being happy with myself or, you know, like not knowing what my path was. And was there anybody before you met your fiance 
when you were in that space of not having the peace that you could talk to, like anybody in your family or at school? Not really. I mean, I had a couple of friends that it's, you know, also gay, but weren't out at the time or didn't know it at the time or anything, Mm -hmm. too. And it's kind of funny, like who you gravitate towards and what your similarities are, even if you don't know them. With your family, when were you able to share with them that you identified as gay? Once we were official, we just set our Facebook status to it and said, like, oh, hey, I'm in a relationship with with Brandon. And then it was just kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like I kind of thought something, but I guess it's confirmed now. Yeah, everyone got the notification (laughs) at the same time. Yeah. My mom was like, I can't believe you didn't tell me sooner. Like, I knew. And I'm like, well— now you know. Yeah, yeah. What about the rest of your family? <laughs> Some extended family is kind of more traditional, I would say. Not necessarily, like, outwardly against, but still you can sense some tension, like, when certain topics would come up. Yeah. Honestly, I feel like anytime we would start to talk about us being happy or planning the wedding or anything like that, it just kind of, like, change the subject. Mm. And then get back to, like, okay, so... What's everybody else up to? So they would change the subject and then move on, really not acknowledging what you're experiencing. And how did that make you feel? Really uncomfortable. And then, I don't know, it makes me almost want to avoid even having contact with them. If you're not comfortable with who I am, like, I'm not going to fake it. In the direct message you sent me, you stated that your aunt and uncle didn't want you over for Christmas because they said you ruined it. And now it's causing conflict with your mom, who feels you need to apologize to them so that your family can be back together during the holidays. Can you explain what's going on there in more detail? We had stayed over their house a couple years before for Christmas. Yeah. And then, like, we wake up Christmas morning and, like, they tell us, like, oh, we want you to be comfortable in our home, very important to us, like, stay as long as you want. I want you to be feel at home here. And then we hear, you know, again, two years later, my parents live like four or five hours away from them. And she, tr- my mom asked if they could stay over. And they were like, well, when Adam and Brandon stayed here, it like, it ruined our Christmas morning. Got we it. couldn't open our presents. Got it. But I'm like, I got up, had a cup of coffee, left at nine o'clock. Yeah. So where's the real challenge coming from? My mom has made like multiple efforts, I guess you can say, to try to get us to make up or anything like that. And yeah. I mean, I tried. And so when you share with your mom that you've tried, what was her response? She was like, well, he is, you know, your only uncle. You should really try to make things work. How did it make you feel more when your mother kept pressuring you to say you need to be the one to reach out? I mean, I want my mom to be happy. Like, I don't want her to be in an uncomfortable position. Yeah. And both my parents have done so much for me, like... I want to be able to give something back one way or another. But I think the thing that you're grappling with, which a lot of people grapple with, is this idea of, well, it's my mother. It's somebody I love. It's someone who's done good for me. And what that equates down to is guilt. And it's now a self-imposed guilt that you're putting on yourself. It's if I do something that's going to make me happy, I'm going to feel guilty about making someone else sad. And I can also tell you're a very empathetic person. Love and empathy is a hard thing because it's a double-edged sword. It becomes something that both can aid people but can also hurt you if you're not channeling it right. 
And what's happening right now is that it's not aiding you, your love and empathy, because it's saying, I guess I have to sacrifice my peace so that my mother doesn't feel any more pain. Your peace has nothing to do with her survival and her thriving. Can you say that with me? Her, your peace. My peace. Has nothing to do. Has nothing to do. With her survival. With her survival. And her thriving. And her thriving. Let's be real. You're not the one with the issue. It's your uncle and aunt who have the issue with your sexuality or your relationship based on what you said. Which, by the way, they did not express to you. Yeah. You've been walking around thinking things are fine and then they express hurtful sentiments about you to your mom. You should not feel obligated to apologize because you have done nothing wrong. The only thing you need to offer your mother is the willingness to have a conversation with your aunt and uncle to allow them to express why they said what they said. And then you should be able to educate them on how their comments made you feel and then be able to set boundaries so that you all can move forward being clear about where your relationship stands. But again, only do this if you're comfortable because you don't owe anyone an apology because you didn't do anything wrong. You should never have to apologize for being yourself and having peace in your life. You can express to your mom that you feel sad for the pain she's experiencing, but you need to remind her that her issue is not with you. Her issue is with them. Does that make sense? It does. No, I think that's that's really good. Just let me know when the wedding is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you. Well, give me one more hug. <laughs> I don't think anyone necessarily deserves forgiveness because it's all on a case-by-case -case basis. However, I am a strong believer in your actions will speak louder than your words. So if you're able to prove yourself and prove that you have learned from the situation and you are willing to hear people out and try to change your ways, I think that anyone can be forgiven. I believe so. It has to do a lot too if it's a one-time thing. I think they definitely do deserve forgiveness. If it becomes a pattern and it's happening over and over again and you've already communicated with that person that they shouldn't be doing that or they shouldn't be you know, following those footsteps, then maybe they don't deserve forgiveness. They need, they need to learn from their mistakes. All right, friends, I am so excited to introduce you to my friend, Monet Exchange, who is one of the stars of RuPaul's Drag Race. She is a TV host, and you can catch her on her show, Exchange Rate, on AOL Build. She is also a comedian, a podcast host, a singer, you name it, and Monet can crush it. Everyone, <laughs> welcome my friend, Monet Exchange. Hey, boo! Yes! Hello, my dear. Do you know I am the first queen in Drag Race history to win Miss Congeniality and also a crown? Legendary darling. I'm just trying to say, the original season, you should have won that one, too. I, I, listen, whatever. <laughs> I love Drag Race, yeah. but I will say, there are racial politics in Drag Race that seep their ass in every single time. And I don't know if it's just because I'm a black man and a gay man that I'm a hyper aware. But sometimes I just watch stuff and I'm like, I mean, even at the social media, I look at the stats and I'm like, this oh, queen is much down, better than that queen. How in the down. world does this queen have one million followers and this one has 200,000? Down. Well, you know, well, you, you look at even like the current season that's happening and like the top contenders are clearly Gigi Good, um, the she who should not be named because of all her drama and also okay. Jada Hall. And Jada Hall has been delivering great 
looks. She has been really, really, really stellar. But I mean, Gigi is like dusting her in terms of social media following count um, outside of the show. And it's just, and you know, I, I've, I've said this, this before, I feel like the show in itself is not racially biased. Because again, RuPaul's Drag Race has, has told the stories of so many uh, queer folks of color. And more of the winners have actually been people of color than been white queens. I think it's, it's the fans, by nature of the fans. The fans are just in, are so racially biased towards the queens. It's so crazy. And when you live it, you really, really, really see it like every day and the way that they respond to things and the way that they just handle us differently. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. I think for all of the white fans, especially the white LGBT fans who are listening to this, I think there, a conversation that they should understand is that Though you are part of the LGBT community, racism is still alive. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And and what would you say to those fans to sort of like wake them up and say, hey, listen, I love you. I ain't trying to call you racist, but... Um, I would say to really open your eyes. And, you know, I, I think that people are really quick to say, oh, I'm not racist. I don't think that way. But because they, they don't want to really take stock and look at their actions and, 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 and what they're doing. And also when, when people call you out on your inherent bias and racist, you just immediately jump to the defense like, no, that's not me. I would never do that. When you really sit back and you're like, whoa, uh, actually maybe I could do this thing differently. Why am I only, why do all the people I'm following look like this? <laughs> why uh, why don't we have a little a little uh, adobo or a little sasson up in the mix, you know? So I feel like it yeah. just really calls people to just take stock and just really re- and just really evaluate their actions on social media and why do they react to certain people a certain way. And I get it because people, these young kids watch this show and a big demographic of the fans of Drag Race are young, uh, white kids, people who are watching Love and Hip Hop and other things like that aren't necessarily watching Drag Race. Yes, there is that crossover that happens. So, and you tend to respond to the things that look like you, but I would just yeah. uh, caution them to really just open their eyes and really expand their horizons and girl and realize that there's, there's a lot of season on this side. Don't, don't you want a taste? Okay, don't you don't you want a little bit of a taste? It's, you know it's very what I'm true. <laughs> I can tell you, for me, one of my the things that I personally do, and a lot of people don't know this because I don't really talk about it. It's just a personal situation. Is that if I walk into a club or a party, and there is nothing but all gay white boys, I walk out. It don't. I mean, really? it doesn't even take me. Don't even take me half a second. And and this is not something where I'm like, you know, but I just am like, if the promoter and if everyone in this space does not understand mm-hmm. that there's an issue here, then me being in here is only affirming that this problem is okay. Yeah. That it's fine that I just sit in here. And so I literally, and so as you know, we've talked about this before, my um, partner is the first white man I've ever dated. And he's uh, he's now gotten to the place where sometimes I'll forget because I'm having a good kiki. And, <laughs> you know, and I'll be like drinking a little bit and, and he'll be like, baby, we got to leave. And I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, there is not enough diversity in here. And I'm like, well, good for you for understanding. Oh, I love that. You got to teach. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase.
Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, so let's get back to you. You come from a Caribbean background, just like me. How did your family react to you doing drag at first? I know they're with it now, but at first, how was the, what was their reaction? You know, at first, because I went to school for opera performance, so my family knew that I did, like, opera performances when I would, like, do, I was involved in the theater. So when I would, like, bring, like, wigs and, like, costumes and stuff home, I'd be like, oh, yes, yeah, for this, like, really crazy production of, like, The Magic Flute, they're really trying to, like, step out the box. This, this is so crazy, girl. And then and then, then I would bring, like, the heels. I remember this. I'm like, yeah, this is, like, this production of Magic Flute is really wild, Bob. I'm telling you, it's crazy. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> So it was. I, I kept on telling them it was theater stuff, and then as it got as I got more and more involved, I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna go to this thing and and like just where I'm, I'm I'm doing makeup to perform in this bar. It's part of this outreach thing. So I, I like lied about it a lot in, in in the beginning, but then but then when but so my parents, my mom and my dad live in St. Lucia, but my aunt and my grandma, the people who I like live with in the, in in New York, they were always at their house, and I think they always knew, but they were just like he'll just say it when he's comfortable and when he's ready and. Not until I like started when I when I got like my first regular gig was when I came out and I was like, guys, I'm doing drag and they were like, okay, but how are you gonna pay your bills? I think that was always because <laughs> you you know black people, West Indians, yes. Africans, they're like, okay, but how are you gonna eat? How are you making money? What, this is yeah, all kind of money. Yeah, what's the money? That was their issue. Was, you know, that's funny because that was like similar to the same reaction with my mother when I finished school and I was like, I'm gonna go to L.A. and be in TV. She's like. Okay, so how else are you gonna make money? What what, what uh-huh. else are you gonna do? Because because okay, I love you. I you know she 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 never my mother never had her struggles. My father was one of the struggles. But even throughout the conversation of his struggles, everyone was always along the lines of like, how you still making money? Exactly. Was drag something at first that was drag something at first that you thought would turn into this career that you have now? It was the best way that I could express myself. I felt so liberated. I felt so free. I felt like I was making people so happy doing drag. I like did drag because I genuinely love, love, love the art of drag. I didn't care that I wasn't making money. I didn't care I was tired. I just that the art form was the only way I felt like I could live. Wow. The fact that you you found something and you had the courage to go after it, knowing that it fed your soul. That's a very beautiful thing because some people would have chosen to to not do that because of the schedule or because of mm-hmm. the lack of money. Why was that so important for you? Because, you know, I was like, if Bob said this to me, actually, because when I was doing my job full time and doing the drag and, and he was like, yeah, when I know this sucks, but he was like, if you were to die tomorrow, would you be happy that you were working at the front desk of this hotel or you were doing art or, or you were creating art that you loved? And I was like, you are so right. I, yeah, you are 100% right. Yes. So I 
that, that was my commitment to my art. That was that was that was the only way that I felt like I could survive was to keep on doing my art. And now you see so many people. I I, I know some of so many of these younger queens who they start working and at like literally like the the first month out and drag. They're like, yeah, my booking fee is one hundred and twenty five dollars. If you can't pay me that, I'm not coming. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> wow. You're like, okay, you, girl, like, sure. If tomorrow was the last day, would I have been happy with how I spent today? Exactly. I think is a, it, you know, it's it's hard for a lot of people to ask that because no one wants to think about their mortality. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it really does put things into perspective of like, if this was it, yeah. am I happy? Yeah. And the fact that you had a close friend, Bob, mm-hmm. who now has become your, you know, compadre, mm-hmm. your best friend, your co-host in so many ways is really special. So you have a show with Bob called Sibling Rivalry. How did the friendship form and how do you navigate your relationship? Um, you know, I met Bob one night. Um, this was back in 2012. I stumbled into the Ritz Bar in, in Health Kitchen, New York City, and there was a party called Saliva. And I I stumbled in and there he was and he was just, I don't think he was, he, he wasn't performing. He was just there and, you know, just enjoying the drag show like everyone else. I think he had come from work, so he wasn't in drag. And then um, one thing led to another. We just, in the same circle of friends, like- a Let me tell you something. I'm going to stop you real quick because this sound like y'all was, this the first night was a hookup. I'm just going to let you know. You're like, y'all walked in the bar and he was standing no. there. And then one thing led to another. Is this something you're no. trying to let me know right now between- Oh, no, uh, ma'am. I would literally <laughs> cut my penis off. I don't know if I can say penis, but I just did. You can, and you I can. would burn it and throw it in the Hudson River. No, so then, so then and then I wanted to do the pageant at that bar and I was like and I just said to the group of friends I was like oh, I want to do this thing but I don't but no one can I don't know how to where, get, where to get a gown from he was like girl come over to my house tomorrow I'll, I'll make you a gown and I was like what you're just gonna make me a gown I don't even know you he's like yeah come over and that was the first that was his first thing our first meeting as friends and from that day on I was like this person's a genuine person and then we've just been best friends ever since and Bob Bob is one of the truest and most honest people I know, he he literally never lies for, for whether it's bad, good, ugly, or indifferent. And um, yeah, I think that has really kept our friendship together. And now we do this podcast together, which people love. And it's just because we talk so candidly. We've always had a very honest rapport with each other. So we talk so openly and candidly about everything from um, Black people saying the N-word to our feelings about love, sex, about he, he talks about my ex-boyfriends on the podcast that he hated and uh, it's just it's just all kinds of crazy conversation. Has there ever been anyone that you were close with that you fell out with? And you don't have to give details. Oh, no. Oh, I love to give details. Oh, I love a detail. Okay. I genuinely rarely argue and fight with people. I just, I'm just such a jolly person most times. Um, but the only person that I ever fell out with in the drag scene was Gia Gunn. It was because after we were both on All Stars together, I just felt like she was just so toxic and so nasty to me and 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 saying first of all, I had, I had never met the girl before. I, she walked in the doors in All Stars, literally, and we didn't really have that much interaction because she had went home third. And and I don't mean that in a shady way, but we just didn't, you know, we do, we didn't have time to bond like I did with Naomi or with Trinity or whatever. So I didn't really yeah. know her. So but after the show, her being so nasty to me, but she came on the talk show on my talk show, and we and we talked about it. And by the way, when she came on my talk show, when when we first of all we invited her, I did not think she would say yes, and she said yes. I was like, ooh. Bitch. So I had all the producers go through all of our Twitter drama, all of our <laughs> um, um, Facebook drama, and I was like, they like compiled a spreadsheet because I was gonna, I was gonna Tyra Banks and Naomi Campbell her. Okay, I was gonna say okay. on January second, two thousand and nineteen, you had said 
But literally, she like as soon as she got there, she like apologized, and I was like, God damn it! Now I can't do my tyrant Naomi moment. But now we're friends, and she's great, <laughs> and she's sweet. But yeah, she was the only one I've really fallen out with. So she owned up immediately to what she did. Oh yeah, within like the first five minutes of the interview, she was like, "Girl." I'm sorry. She was like, at that time, I was in a really negative space. My mom um, was battling cancer and, you know, and I had just openly come out as trans and it was just like a lot. And it was my own insecurities that, that I was projecting onto you. And I was like, fine. I'm sorry. I, I accept your apology. And I apologize as well. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, there's a lesson in that. And I, you know, for people who are ever being attacked by someone else, I try to always encourage them and say, if you're being attacked or belittled, you should never stick around and accept it. Mm -hmm. It's not, nothing you should ever put yourself in danger. But you should also understand that the reason that people attack someone else or mean or hateful or vicious or toxic is because normally they're hurting. Oh, yeah. When someone is saying something to you, this is not really about you. This is about something that's going on in their life. And so on what you there, just have yeah. to do is step away. Yeah, just walk away from them. And yes, it could hurt. But once you release it and realize it's not about you, you can then grow and move on. Yeah, 100%. I agree. Totally, totally, totally. And I mean, that was a big lesson for me in that because, you know, I love to try to be the petty one and be like, ah, ah, I'm going to let her know. <laughs> I, it, it's hard for me to be mean to people because I immediately think about how they feel that I'm being mean and how that might change the rest of their week or their day or whatever. So it's hard for me to be mean. So I, I oftentimes I'm thinking about what you're saying, like, okay, what about, the, like, maybe this has nothing to do with me. This is all them. So in those moments when the dreams you have don't work out and, you know, you've been very blessed in the moment when dreams happen where they don't turn out the way you want, how do you deal with that? Uh, I don't know. It's so tough. I have to say, I'm just like everybody else. When like, I don't get that, that role that I auditioned for or that thing that I really wanted. I'm like, well, I guess I didn't get, get that role because I just didn't read the scene well or whatever it is. So it's just like, it's so hard to not internalize and think that you're the problem. But sometimes it just, it just wasn't meant for you. And I just kind of, I just always start thinking, you know what? You didn't get it. You didn't get the opportunity. You didn't get that thing. It just, it just wasn't meant for you. And it wasn't right for you at this time. Like things that are supposed to happen for you, when they're supposed to happen, will happen. Mm. It, it's, it's a great reminder that sometimes it's not about you. At all. Even from when you talked about, you know, people having negative things to missing out on opportunities or opportunities you think you missed out on. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's just a constant reminder. It's not about me. It's not yeah. about me. My talent is good enough. I will get something. This wasn't for me. And it wasn't because of me. It just was maybe the next person needed. They already had somebody in mind or something else. Right. And I think that's a great yeah. lesson for people to know to continue to build their confidence. I want to get your take on this, especially with you having a podcast called Sibling Rivalry. Should you have to apologize for something you didn't do just to mend family ties? How do you feel about that? Ooh, that's tricky. Because on one hand, you're like, I just want to apologize so that we can move on and we don't dwell on this thing forever. But on the, on the other side of me, I'm like, I'm not apologizing for something that I know I did not do or something that you don't feel sorry for. And I feel like apologizing for something that you are genuinely not sorry for will lead to problems and it, and it will lead to resentment later because because then later on something else is going to happen you get to bring it to the fact that we're like well you know what when i did xyz i wasn't really sorry i just said it to, and then that's going to cause a whole nother round of drama and trouble because you weren't because you weren't sorry and you said sorry just to just to move along harboring resentment is just as toxic and poisonous as apologizing for something that you're not sorry for mm, harboring resentment is just as toxic 
as apologizing for that you're not sorry for. That's good. So why do you think people have the issue of not being able to find the confidence to speak their truth to family members? Because, you know, because family members, they, outside of like your, most times, outside of like your friends and your coworkers or whatever, family knows you, okay? They know you. They know the ins and outs of you. They know lots of your weaknesses and your strengths. So it's like when family is upset at you or when family riles you up or when family disappoints you, it really hits really, really, really close to your heart because that person is so close to you and they and they just know you wholeheartedly and it, it they're just so close to the to the source and to the core of who you are so it just it just rings extra loud when it's family has there ever been a moment in your life where you experienced that where you felt like you need to apologize just so that things can be okay in your family oh yeah totally I d- i've definitely felt the need um not necessarily with family but definitely with like super super close friends that i would consider family Mm-hmm. Um, I've definitely been in the place where I felt like I need to apologize to move things on. And then I went to that place of like a few weeks later, it just caused everything to boil up even more because I never saw the reason that, that they wanted to apologize for, but I did anyway. And then I was so resentful of it and I kept on thinking about it. And it was just like in my head all the time that I can't believe I said sorry for that. And I was not sorry that I did not do anything wrong. Yeah. And it just made things worse. And, you know, it's something that I I really hope people start practicing better boundaries, start really helping themselves to understand that it's okay to say, this is how I feel. And, and I don't, I'm not trying to disrespect you, but I have to be clear about my feelings. And if we can't see eye to eye on this, maybe we need to set new boundaries for our relationship. Totally. Monet Exchange is one of the most fabulous people in the world. Please give it up for my friend, the talented, the beautiful Monet Exchange. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. I think that there are some things that are unforgivable. I mean, if someone was to go harm my family, I don't think that I would ever forgive them. So to me, yes, there are some things that are unforgivable. So I'm the type of person who really believes in forgiveness kind of overall. If a person has done something really bad, I believe deep down that everyone is in some small way redeemable. I know that's kind of hard because there are so many different things and if it's on a personal level it's going to be harder obviously to forgive, but I do believe that forgiveness is a very important thing for you personally and for us as people, as humans. Friends, I am so thankful for Monet for calling in and being so funny and so open. I also want to thank Adam for sharing his story. And a big thank you to everyone who called in and shared their feelings. Listen, friends, as Monet said, harboring resentment is just as toxic and poisoning as apologizing for something that you're not sorry for. We all want peace, but you can't sacrifice your inner peace or outer peace because you will still end up suffering in the end. Find ways to share your feelings, whether that is with a third party present who can make sure your feelings are heard within your family unit. You know, processing our feelings is a journey that takes as much time as we need. If there's a situation that causes pain, find the courage to say, I want to work this out, but I need time to process. That way, everyone is on the same page and you don't end up saying something that you don't mean. Listen, friends, as always, thank you for listening and growing with me. 
Make sure to hit me up on Instagram and Twitter at Karamo to let me know how you feel about today's episode. Until next time, take care of yourself and each other. Karamo, a podcast, is an entertainment show. For advice or support on any emotional or mental challenges, please contact a licensed professional in your town. This show was produced by Karamo, Nick Pinella of Workhouse Media, and assisted by Ellie Charles. All music composed by Ernie Wooden and the Big Woozy Band, and all episodes are edited by Nathan Moody. Thank you for listening and growing with us. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.